Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Stories in the book of Acts and looking at what it means to be an early, uh, sorry, an excellent church uh, and a beautiful bride. Uh, before, before we get into that, I just wanted to also point out, so this coming uh, weekend is going to be Sports Fest. Uh, and so Sports Fest, where we're taking about 50-odd uh, young adults, young people, uh, teenagers, all sorts, uh, down to play sport against each other. It's going to be a hoot um, and it's going to be lots of fun. And, and I would ask that you guys would be praying for us because uh, we really want to make this a time uh, that is uh, intentional. We want people to know Jesus and come together in community uh, who are young people that also love sport and games and all sorts of stuff as well. Uh, and the other thing that I would also ask is uh, pray for me as I play hockey as well, because uh, that's always a little bit of a risk. Uh, every year uh, I go down, uh, do you want to adjust this a little bit, try and fix things up, are we good? No? All right. Um, so going down to play hockey... Um, every year, try and win. Uh, I'm from Albany, and so I always want to be the Albany boys as well, because uh, that is always an embarrassment for them. And so I always feel really good about myself beating them in hockey. Uh, and so, I, and and I was thinking about it this week. And so, when I was young um, and living down in Albany, um, not much to do, maybe down there, I don't know. But all I wanted to do was play hockey. Any any opportunity I got, I'd play hockey. I'd ask to play for other people's teams. I'd play every opportunity I get. If I was sick, didn't matter. Um, I would play. I'd be coughing up, you know, all that kind of stuff. I couldn't too sick to go to school, but definitely I could still play hockey. No worries at all. Injured, no worries. I'll keep playing. It's all good. All I wanted to do was play hockey all the time. In the backyard, breaking mum's fence, um, smashing into the garden, all those kind of things. Just playing hockey, any opportunity I got. Uh, because I loved hockey and, and I was committed to it. No one had to tell me to rock up to training. I was there two hours early, almost embarrassingly early, and people felt bad for me because I, they thought I had nothing better to do. But I, all I wanted to do was just play hockey. I was committed. No one had to tell me to do anything, to try harder or to play more or train more. I was there every opportunity I got. Anything got in the way, cancel it. No worries. If it's mum's birthday, don't worry about it. It's fine. Keep going. Like, I, all I wanted to do was keep playing hockey, and I protected it. If there's other events on, I'd make, I'll try and you know, get out of work, or whatever I had to do, just so I could play it, and I would protect it because it's something that I loved. It was something that I loved, and so every like, no one had to tell me to do it. No one had to tell me to protect it. Because I loved hockey, that's all I did. And, and in life, there are things that we love... There's things that we care about, and no one has to tell us to do those things. No one has to remind us to to do those things. No one has to tell us to to protect that time that we have uh, because it's something that we love. It's something that we love. The things that we love, no one has to remind us to do those things. It's just how it is. Like, no one has to... Like, I really love my wife. No one has to remind me to love her. I, I, I really enjoy loving my wife and caring for her and, and doing all those kind of things. Like, I, I love her, and so I, that's what I do. Like, I want to hang out with her. No one has to say, hey, like, you need to hang out with Rach. She's like, no, no problems at all. I'll cancel everything if you give me the chance. Because I love, I love my wife, and I want to hang out with her. I want to spend time with her. That's, that's how things go. The things that we love, we protect. We wanna, no one has to remind us to do those things. And as we think about what it means to be an excellent church... As we think about what it means to be a a beautiful bride, we would hope that our first love is Jesus. 
And we would hope that, that the thing that we want to do, the thing that no one has to remind us to do, is to love Jesus. And, and not just in a kind of like a I love Jesus kind of way where we just kind of say it and, and do those things, but the, the, the kind of the way that people are like, oh, I wish you'd stop talking about Jesus, but sorry, no way. The, the kind of thing where we don't have to remind ourselves, hey, have you been reading your Bible? I bet you haven't. Because cause we love it. Like, man, I can't get enough of this thing. Hey, can you go to sleep? Turn off the light? Because, no, sorry, I want to read my Bible. Like, we want to love Jesus so much that it's not something that we're reminded to do, not something that we're forced to do, not something that we feel guilty to do, but rather that we would love God, that we would want to make God known, that we would, we would be committed to, to prayer and worship, but not because we have to or because we feel guilty or because we, we feel like we're a bad Christian if we don't, but because we love Jesus because we see how great he is, because we see the change that he has made in our life, because we see the change that he's made in the lives around us. We, we see the magnitude of the sacrifice that Jesus makes when he dies on the cross for our sins. And so it's not a, I do these things because I have to, because I'm scared that if I don't, then Jesus might punish me or the pastor might find out or whatever, but rather that we love Jesus and so we do these things. We protect the, the time that we have to do these things. We, no one tells us or has to remind us, not because we, we love this. This is what we love to do. And, and when we love God, we want to give glory to God. We want to worship God. We want to make him known. And then other people see how great God is as well. They see what, what Jesus has done in our lives and, and the way that he changes us. And so then they're also inspired to love God. And it goes around in this circle. It's like people, people see God being glorified and they see how amazing he is and, and they fall in love with God and then they want to give glory to God. And it just keeps going around and around. As an excellent church, our hope is that we, our first love would be Jesus. But the thing that we love most, the thing that no one has to remind us to do, the thing that we would continue to want to do all the time is to fall in love with Jesus, to worship Jesus, to glorify Jesus. And let me tell you, we are works in progress at this. I know it's feeling a little bit quiet and a little bit tense right now, and you're thinking about, you know, oh, I'm not sure how good I am in this area, Braden. But no, like we, that's, we're a work in progress, but this is our hope. This is what I would hope that your dream is, that you would be so in love with Jesus that, that you're, like, whoever it is is saying, hey, can you just stop reading the Bible? It's really annoying me right now. It's like, no, sorry, can't do it. I love him too much. Can't, can't stop reading this thing. That, that you would be impressed so much because you love Jesus. That is my hope for you, and I hope that is your hope for yourselves, that you would fall in love with Jesus and want to glorify him because you love him. Not because I told you to, not because you feel guilty, but because you love Jesus and you want to glorify him and make him known. That is my hope. And so we're looking at this story of what's going on in Acts in the Excellent Church. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4 today. Um, and this is one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. Um, I actually spent a little bit of time studying this prayer uh, when I was at Bible college, and it was a lot of fun, and I really liked it. And the way that I want to share this prayer with you is I want to look at another prayer at the same time as well. And so there's this guy in the Bible called Hezekiah. Um, if, you, if you've never heard of Hezekiah, Go read it. It's a great story. Uh, so you can go find, uh, read about what happened kind of in church history in First and Second Kings. There's some really good stories in there. But Hezekiah, uh, he was the king of Judah, which was the southern kingdom after Israel and Judah kind of split in two. And what happened was there was this big kingdom, biggest kingdom that ever reigned the earth, ever, called Assyria. 
And Assyria was just taking down nations left, right, and center, and they were brutal. They were torturing people. They did all sorts of awful things. And they had just conquered Israel. So Israel was never to be the same ever again. There was never another king. There was never, they became the Samaritans, so they, they would rip people away from their homes and send up people and try to introduce gods and just take away all of their national identity. So Assyria had come in, destroyed uh, Israel, uh, and they were knocking on the door of Judah. This is the last remnant of God's people. And Hezekiah is the king. He has his prophet with him. His name was Isaiah. You might have heard of Isaiah. And they were there together, uh, hoping that God would preserve them and protect them. Because that was the way that people would know God. It was this, this nation that we had, this remnant that we had left. And this hundreds of thousands of soldiers are making their way to Hezekiah. And they're not ready to be kind or learn about their God. And so uh, Hezekiah prays this prayer, and it's very, very similar to the prayer in, in Acts chapter 4. But there's one crucial difference right at the end, uh, and that is where we find a lot of our meaning and, and purpose in, in this prayer. And so, well, I put it up. You, you pay extra for this, but I've got two different Bible verses on the screen side by side. Um, and it's gonna, so hopefully we're going to see how they kind of are a bit similar, and then we're going to see how they're a little bit different at the end. So this is what it says. So... Uh, Second Kings, so it says, Lord, the God of Israel enthroned, this is Hezekiah praying, by the way, so Lord, the God of Israel enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth, you made heaven and earth. Good start to a prayer, right? Perfect. God, you made everything, you're in control, off you go. Uh, Acts chapter 4, so the believers, they had just been persecuted. That is the first time they had some significant persecution. Uh, so Peter and John were, were talking about Jesus. They were healing people and doing all these awesome things. And what happened to them was there was these people called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, they're sad, you see, uh, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And, and so they did, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, Jesus couldn't exist. Uh, Jesus couldn't have risen again. And so Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. And so these guys are preaching about this resurrection. Like, of course, this is false. The Sadducees, they're saying, no, there's no resurrection, uh, and this isn't the Messiah, and so they had a big problem because all these people were starting to follow Peter and John, and so they wanted them killed. And so they, they tried to imprison them, but everyone really liked them because they were talking about this guy called Jesus who was the Messiah. They weren't Sadducee, uh, and they, 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 they were performing miracles and all these great things. And, and so what happened uh, was they, they were persecuted. It was the first time, and so they come away, and they come back to the believers, and they pray. And so this is how they start their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth. Sound familiar? Yeah. And the sea and the earth and everything in them, you spoke through, uh, by, the, by the Holy Spirit through the, servant of your, uh, the mouth of your servant, our father David. Uh, if we go, keep going forward, uh, we look at so how kings kind of keep, uh, second kings, so Hezekiah keeps going, give ear, Lord, hear, open your eyes, Lord, see, listen to the words of Sennacherib. That's the king of Assyria, so he's, he's the one that's coming for them, uh, has sent ridicule to the living God. So he's, he's kind of mocking this God like, that, that we know is the real God. Uh, and so Acts kind of says, kind of goes on a similar line, says, why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So these, there's these other kings that are rising up opposing the true God. That's what's happening. There's these, so they're, they're, it's a similar prayer, right? So like they're saying, God, you're created. You're the one that made everything. You're in control. And there's these kings that are rising up against you, thinking that you aren't the real God. As it continues on, Second uh, uh, Kings, if we go to the next slide again, it says, it is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations of their lands. They have thrown their gods into fire uh, and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wooden stones. So these other nations that Assyria has invaded, of course their gods didn't protect them. Of course the other gods of the other nations didn't protect them because they weren't real gods. 
but we have the real God. And so indeed, uh, so it says, Acts, Acts chapter 4 says, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city, uh, to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. So, uh, and then keep going. Uh, so in 2 Kings, uh, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the... Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, I might have made a mistake there. Can we go? Is there another one? What have I done? Uh, so yeah, end of Acts chapter 4. So they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So God is in control. In both in 2 Kings, when Hezekiah is praying, uh, in Acts chapter 4, God is in control. There's, another, there's other kings that are rising up, but God is in control. Make sense? God is creator, God is in control. Other kings don't think that God is in control. This is where it kind of stops getting similar. If we go to the, the next slide where, where 2 Kings 19, 19 says, Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hands so that all the kingdoms on the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. That's how Hezekiah's prayers finishes. May our enemies be smitten by your thunder and lightning. May, may, may the kingdom that is attacking us not stand up against us and may we rise up as this kingdom that is powerful and will overcome our enemies so that people will see that you are the real God, that people know that you are in control uh, and also we get to live. Do you see how it's kind of mutually beneficial? Like it's a mutually beneficial prayer. So we live, everyone sees that you're God, like we both, it's a win-win situation. Hezekiah gets to live, the kingdom gets to go on and people see how great God is. And what happened? So God actually answered that prayer. Um, all of a sudden, uh, I think it's about like 190,000 of, of Sennacherib, the, like the king of Assyria, his troops just die overnight. Just dis- like, and then they have to retreat because all their troops are dead. Um, and so God answers that prayer. And, and, what, and Israel lasts a little bit longer before, of course, they get exiled later on. You can read about it. I won't spoil it for you. Um, but now look at how Acts is different. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Think about this. People have just tried to kill them. There's no security. They don't have an army. They're not in control. They're completely at the mercy of God. And they don't say... Make the Sadducees sadder. They don't say, can you overcome these enemies that are trying to make our life miserable? They don't say, send in your, your angel army to come and defeat the enemies for us. They don't, say, they don't even say, can you please protect us from the bad guys? They say, give us boldness. For the same reason that Hezekiah prayed, so that God's name would be made great. There's no mutually beneficial thing about it. There's no, they're not, they don't ask for any kind of protection. They don't ask that anyone would be overcome, but just that God's name would be made great and that God would be glorified, that people would know that you, Lord, are God. The change when we get to the New Testament, when we see the early church for the first time, they don't pray that they would be preserved. They don't pray that they would be this great nation that would overcome all the enemies around them. They don't pray that the other people around them would have a bad time so that people would see that they're God, but rather they just ask that they would have boldness to proclaim Jesus so that he may be glorified. Because the kingdom is different. 
It's not a physical kingdom anymore. It's not a kingdom that, that displays God's glory by just being this big, powerful superpower. It's a kingdom that exists within us. It's a kingdom that we are one day, one day is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we look forward to that kingdom. We know it's there. We know Jesus has conquered sin and death. And so we don't need this protection or this mutually beneficial thing where we're kind of this little powerful kingdom uh, here in Bibra Lake. It's, it's this thing where God is with us. We're, we've already won. Give us boldness in the meantime so that God may be glorified. Our hope is that God may be glorified. Not, not kind of, it's, not this, it's not this deal where it's like, God, I'll glorify you if I get what I want. It's not this, it's not this relationship where it's like, okay, I'm going to become a Christian and my life is going to be really good. I'm going to have a lot of fun. And also God is going to be glorified because we're, going to, we're a team. He scratches my back, I scratch his back. And it's kind of this thing where we're like, we both win. It's not. Give us boldness so that despite the fact that people are trying to kill us, we can keep going to make God glorified. And and as Christians, our hope is that God would be glorified. Our hope is that God would be glorified, not God, God would be glorified and at the same, and, and if, like, you know, if God kind of gives us like what we, what we want and all those kind of things, then I can glorify God. No, it's like God would be glorified full stop. That is, that is our first love. That is the thing that we care about. That is the thing that we're focused on. That is the thing that we won't let anything else get in our way, but that God would be glorified. That is our key objective. That is our first love. That is the thing that we hope. And the thing that I hope when your first love is Jesus, when my first love is Jesus, that we would want to make God glorified in all instances and all cases, despite what might happen and not because some mutually beneficial thing happens to also make it good for me. That is our hope in being an excellent church. And so here, here's the question. we get eye contact for this one too, if we can. Do you love and know Jesus enough that it is sufficient to see him glorified and made known? Do you love Jesus and know Jesus enough that it is sufficient to see him glorified and known? Or is it built on a faith that is mutually beneficial? Is, is it only worth glorifying God when things are good? Is it, is it only worth glorifying God when we get our way, when we get what we want, when, when the government's kind of looking after us and, and, you know, church is kind of, we're singing the right songs and we're doing the right thing here and, and you know, like the different things that are in our life, like our family's good, and then, then we can come and glorify God. Or do we glorify God and love him and worship him in all things, all the time, regardless of what is going on around us? Because our one love, our fo- just like me as a little hockey kid that just is running all over the place, that, that we are focused on loving God and worshiping God. Nothing gets in our way. Because let's be honest, like we, when, when things go wrong, when we, when we don't get what we want, when, when things, kind of, things that aren't ideal for us get in the way, we forget about glorifying God. We want to fix things before we come back to glorifying God. So sometimes what happens is like, like let's be like, the Western world is going in a different direction to God. Like we're not on the same trajectory. And so sometimes like they're moving away and, and, it's, and it's not that we should fight for those things. We, want, we care about those things, but sometimes we're so focused on, on trying to scramble and get that back. So, we, so in order to keep glorifying God, But rather, we like there are like no matter what happens there, 
doesn't matter if they're Sadducees or politicians or, or, or people, whoever it is in, in the world that makes our life harder or changes things or makes it more difficult or takes away anything from us, we are still called to glorify God. And we don't want to be distracted. Or, or what happens when, like, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, when my family's in order and I can get all these things and, and God trying to provide for me A, B, and C, and then I can come and glorify God because look at what he's given me. We're called to glorify God not just when he gives us what we want, not just when he gives us our, our, the kingdom that we want or the things that we want, but rather we glorify God always. What happens, what, like, I, I run worship, and so this is always one that, and it's easy to pick on. What happens when we sing the song that we don't want to sing? Do we still glorify God? Because sometimes we're sitting there, and we're like, I stinking hate this song. And, and everyone's around us, like glory, giving glory to God and worshiping Him and praising Him and, and singing about how great He is. And we're just sitting there being like, I'll start giving God glory when we sing the right song. Like, we, because we, we get, we, we, it takes away from what we want to do. When we run ministries, we don't want to run them. We, we kind of sit there and we're upset and we kind of, and we forget to glorify God. When God doesn't give us, like, the things that we want in life or the family that we want or, or the political situation that we want, we kind of sit there and get angry and try and fix things before we come and bring God glory. We are called to glorify God in all things, in all instances not just when he gives us what we want. And so this is the question. Do you love and know Jesus enough that it is sufficient to see him glorified and known? Or is it a mutually beneficial deal? Um, I've got two things um, that, that can kind of be just like a, a, a little, couple of little things that we can do and think about when we go about this. So first one uh, is the glory check. Um, the glory check, um, I just made it up, but I hope, it, hope it's helpful. So the, first, the, the question is, what do you ask first? What question do you ask first? Do you ask what I want or do you ask how is God glorified? It's a little helpful thing to do. So what do I want or, or um, how, is, how can I see God being glorified or how can God be glorified in this situation? So the believers, they did not seek their first interest when, when they were persecuted. So when, when they were persecuted, they didn't think, okay, guys, we've got a problem here. Sadducees are coming after us. We're going to take a different tact. We're going to be a church. We're kind of going to keep to ourselves. We're not going to talk to anyone about God unless they ask because uh, we don't want to get persecuted, and so we're going to glorify God this way instead. Do you see how it kind of unravels as soon as we kind of think about our self-interest first? When, when, we, kind of, when we ask that, so the, the believers, they, they first said, all right, we need to glorify God. What is the best way to glorify God? To share him, to make him known, to go and preach to the Sadducees, even though they're going to try and kill us. Uh, they, they seek first question, how do I glorify God? Not what do I want, because, and, and Bible college taught me this greater than anything, you can justify anything is going to bring glory to God. Anything. We can, we can say anything is going to bring glory to God, and so we can very much make that conveniently line up with what we want. So we can say, this is kind of the life that I want to live. This is, like, this is going to be a pretty good kind of path that I'm going to take. And I think, and if I use these Bible verses in the right way, this is actually going to glorify God really well. Tick, done, glorifying God, but I also get what I want. And quite often when we do that, we actually, we either we're distorting God's word or we're not doing a good job of glorifying God because we really, we're just trying to do what we want and then kind of tick that box in hindsight and think, yep, also glorifying God, off we go, everyone wins. 
And, and often that leads to some really unhealthy things. Like we, a lot of church conflict arrives because all of us, we're all trying to do what we want. We're trying to get what we want. And, and then we're trying to say, oh, this is the way that we glorify God. And so like all of a sudden we got these conflicting things and then we, all of a sudden we, we have five different churches. We, we want to glorify God and ask the question, what, is glorify, what do we do to glorify God first before we seek our own self-interests? Um, the other one that, that we see come up is, um, and this is, this is also something that I get really frustrated about, is some, like quite often we say, God is calling me to do this. Especially, uh, so if, don't, don't say God is calling me to do this if that's what you want to do. There is no, there's no story in the Bible where God tells someone to do something that they want to do. There's no stories in the Bible about that. Like Moses wasn't like secretly hoping that he could go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't what was going to happen. Like Elijah wasn't hoping to go and like have like a, a kind of prophet off with the, the prophets of Baal and, and like he just wanted to run away and hide. Like Jesus wasn't hoping to get killed at Gethsemane. Like God is like, like that was like, like that, that wasn't what God was, like God didn't call anyone to do something that they wanted to do just wasn't the case. And so when we, like quite often we'll, we'll say, oh, I think God's calling me to do, you know, I think God's calling me to break up with you or to, to go out with you, or I think God's calling me away from this. Like, no, he's not. You just, this is what you want to do. Don't bring God into this. Like we, because we, we do that, all right? Like, who, like who's, who's ever like heard that kind of story before? Like, you know, oh, God called me to break up with you. I think you just don't like me. <laughs> right? And, and, and there's, there's two problems that happen there. So one, like, like when we, because even we do it with ministry, right? Like I think God's calling me away from this ministry. It's like, I, I think you're actually just really tired. Or I think like maybe I haven't been doing a good job of leading you and, and, you, like, and we're just not honest with each other. But rather we, we bring God into it and, and try it so that way we don't have to give a defense or we don't put any risk to ourselves, but we're not honest. Like we're not honest. And, and, and truth be told, it's actually a big problem to say that God is saying something that he's not. Right? Like, we should not be saying that God has spoken to us when he hasn't. Like, the Bible is, is very clear on that. And so we, we want to make sure that we're not trying to, to bring our self-interest and try and say, all right, God, God wants me to do this and glorify him this way, when it's just what we want to do. And so in all things, we say, how is God most glorified right now? How am I going to bring glory to God right now? Remove myself from the situation as much. And it's a hard thing to untangle, right? Like, because we, we're, we're fallen and broken people. But how do I remove myself from this situation and see how am I going to glorify God? That's the glory check. The second one, contentedness check. Are you content when God is glorified, even if it doesn't benefit you? That's a tricky one, right? That's, a, that's one that, that really, like, that one really, like, once again, we're singing a song, don't like this song, kind of in a, having a bit of a sook, um, or like, you know, someone, like, we're doing ministry, like, doing ministry, and I don't want to do it this way, and I'm kind of like sitting here in the corner really mad about things, um, and that, but like people are coming to know Jesus, people are worshipping God, God is being glorified, people are learning about Jesus, and I'm just sitting here in the corner and being like, 
just want to pursue greatness, want to make things better, not doing it my way. You know, like, and we're just, like, because we, we, when we don't get what we want, when we don't do church our way, when, when the government doesn't make things easy on us, we sit there and we're not content until we're doing it our way. But the question is, are you, like, will you stand there and be like, hey, this is not the way I wanted to do it? And, and once, so, hear me out here. I, I want to also kind of put some caveats on this. We want to do a good job at things. We're, and we don't want to be people that just roll over on everything. Like, we want to we try and, and work out the best way to do stuff. But inevitably, inevitably, and once again, every, every day, like, there's different things, like, and, and we, like, we have to do things, like, we, we've got a lot of different people here. We're going to do things that aren't our way, right? We've got 300 people here, we've got 500 opinions, so there's going to be times where it's just not going to happen. And so when that happens... Are we contend that God is being glorified? Are we going to rejoice that God is being glorified in that moment, even though it's not the way that we would have done it? Um, the, the one that, so like, as a church, like, we can do things, we can do so many things. Management team, Peter, they do a great job of, like, discerning how do we as a church go about doing ministry, a rec center, like, it's a complicated thing. And I, and I was thinking about it the other day as well, where, like, you know those chari- like, charity stalls that are everywhere around the shopping centres? And, like, you kind of walk around and they, wa- you know, they kind of stare you down as you walk past and you kind of try to, like, not make eye contact and they, hey, hey, you know, like, they... And you're trying to, like, get the phone out, be like, oh, hey, hey, dear, um, all those kind of things. And they'll be like, oh, no worries. I'll tell the puppy you didn't care about him. Like, it's, like, it, like they just make you feel really guilty and all that kind of, you know, like, or they'll be like, oh, do you want to round up to the next $100 for charity at the office works when you're buying your pack of pencils? And you're like, oh, like, sorry, like, I, and they're just like, oh, no worries. What's your name again? Um, like, you know, like, there's always these things where, like, everyone wants you to be a part of their charity and to donate and, and be a part of it, but we can only do so many things. Like, like Rach and I, like, we try and be really intentional with, like, where we give our money, and, and it's not to office works. Um, but, like, we, we, we want to, like, we just can't do everything. We can't sing every genre of song and, and be, like, you know, everything in worship, and we can't be everything in preaching, and we can't, you know, and even, like, we say, we say no to things because we have to. Every decision, we, we say no to things, and so, and, and we as a church, we want to do all the things that we're called to do as a church. And once again, the management team, Peter, they do a great job of that. But the thing is, we will inevitably say no to things, and some of the things that we say no to will be things that you feel like would have been great if we did. But are you content in those moments that God is being glorified? Are you content in those moments that God is being glorified, that we are teaching people about God, that God is being made known, that we're glorifying God, that, that, that we are worshipping a God who loves us and cares for us, even though we're not doing it the way you would have chosen? Because as a church, like, that is, like, nothing, nothing hurts us more. When, when we're sitting there, because, and, like... It's really easy to like see, like, because, like, once again, like, email inboxes fill up quickly um, when you're a pastor. But like, I, I, and like, it's easy to look at other people. But I know for me, like, I want things to do, be done my way. Like, man, if I was running a, ch- you know, like, it's that whole young, especially when you're a young person, because you, you're on top of the world and you'd fix all the problems. But um, like, I, I know when I look at myself, 
Like, I want things done. I'm a selfish person. Like, I want things done my way. And, and I know that deep down, when I don't get my way and things don't get done my way, I have a tendency to sit back and just be like, I'm not going to glorify God until like, you know, like, that's what we do. And if you guys are all honest with yourself a little bit, like, we all do that a little bit, right? Like, think about, like, like are you willing, to, as a church, to glorify God even if it isn't the way that you would do it? Are you willing to sing a song where it's like, not my favorite song? But look around me. Everyone is bringing glory to God. Everyone is worshiping God. We are here bringing glory and singing praises to his name. It's not my favorite song, but I'm still going to bring glory to God with my brothers and sisters in Christ. When the government makes our life harder, which it inevitably will over the next few years, like it's just going to happen. We can kick up a fuss and a scream about it, but are we going to think, okay, things are getting harder. Got to rethink some things but I'm still going to find the opportunities in this time to bring glory to God. We're still going to be a church. Might, might look a little bit different, might be a little bit harder, might be a little bit more complicated, but we're still going to focus on how do we bring glory to God in this time. That is what we want to do. That is who we want to be. Uh, and so this is my last thing. I want to finish uh, with that last verse in Acts chapter 4. Uh, or almost the last verse. It says, After they, they prayed, uh, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Here's my last point God wants to see his name glorified. That is why God made us, that is who God created us to be. And let me tell you, I think it's a lot more fun to partner up with God and do what he has created us to do than to sit in this kind of sit here sulking about why things aren't getting done my way. Like, truly, like, I, because, like, I'm not having fun. Like, once again, I, like, I, I'm terrible at this. I sit here and I'm upset where I would be having a lot more fun if I was helping God do what he has created me to do, teaming up with doing the task that he has made me to be and give God glory because that is who he made us to be and that's what he wants to see in us. The early church in Acts, they came together and said, hey God, we want to give you glory, we want to worship you, we want to make your name known. It's really hard and it's really tricky and we're a little bit confused about how we're going to best do this. But God wants to see it happen and God teams up with them and works with them and gives them the boldness that they need to keep going and they go off and what a story it is. What a journey it is that the early church goes on to make God's name known. And I hope for you that you want to do who God, what God has created you to do who God has created you to be, to do the thing that God is longing for, that his name would be made glorified. And as we think about how do we be an excellent church, let us team up with God. We want to make his name glorified. We want people to know him. We want people to love him, to see his greatness. So let's do it. How we pray? Worship him can come up and we'll sing one more song. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are such a great and glorious God. 
We thank you that we can come together and worship you and give you glory in all things. Lord, help us to see your greatness. Help us to fall in love with you, to be committed to serving you in all things and all times, regardless of how hard things get, regardless of what's happening at home or work or whatever is happening, that we would seek to give you glory in all things that we'd overcome the, the struggles and, and our selfishness and our, and our want to, to do things our way, but rather we would be focused on glorifying you in everything that we do and everything that we can. In your name we pray. Amen.